Well, thank you for attending Lesson 4 in our journey together. The priority of the local church. So, let me just talk to you about this, that um, many people ask, especially today, why is the church so important? What is the purpose of the church? And I think that's a very important question to ask, that big picture, what is the purpose of the church? And then I think bringing it down even further, what is the critical role of the local church in God's purpose? So, God's purpose is what we're talking about. We're talking about big picture, the church, and then we're bringing it down to local church level and the vision here at Palm Vista Community Church. So, let's start with the ultimate purpose of the church. Page 1, Roman numeral 1, capital A, the ultimate purpose of the church. And really, here it is. It's the glory of God. God has always had His people whom he's called out from rebellion. And so we see, for example, in Exodus 19, 4 through 6, this is now when God has delivered his people, Israel, from slavery in Egypt. He's got them now on Mount Sinai, and he's delivering the law to them. He's forming them as his people. I mean, the Bible even calls this the ecclesia, the, the church in the wilderness. So it's an Old Testament picture of God's people called out and notice what God says this is what God sees this is what God wants this is God's purpose you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself now by way of reminder what he did to the Egyptians is he destroyed their land he destroyed their army and he delivered a bunch of slaves from the most powerful army in the world because They're his people. And he delivered them on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Notice, he's bringing the people to himself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. That's a key phrase there. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So in the Old Testament, we see... God's always wanted his people, his people. He redeems them from rebellion. He redeems them out of uh, a place of, of being his enemies. And he brings them to himself to form his people, the church, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, with the coming of Christ, we see this even clearer because what happened in the Old Testament is pointing to Christ who will fulfill all that we see in the Old Testament. So look at Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, that means set apart, and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. So, notice there it says, to the praise of his glorious grace. That's his purpose. So, 
couple thousand years later, in Ephesians, we see a similar idea. God calling a people out for himself. And now look at 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. It begins on the bottom of page 1 there in Lesson 4 and extends to page 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Do you hear there? Peter is virtually quoting Exodus 19, 4 through 6. A people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is God's purpose, to call his people. This is what God is doing today, calling out a people to be his own possession, who might declare there then the excellencies of his mercies. And this is the exclusive role of the church. It's God's chosen means. Look at Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church, says Jesus, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then 1 Timothy 3, 15. If I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar of and foundation of the truth. I mean, the church is the place where God gathers his people out of the world for his own possession, first of all, just to enjoy them and then to enjoy him, and then to use them to proclaim his truth on the earth. This is God's purpose in the church. So hopefully you see why the church is so important, why it's worth it, why we do what we do. Now, Roman numeral two. Why should I join a local church? That's fine, Al. I'm part of the universal church. I am part of that great church throughout history that is God's called out people. Well, that that is true. But God calls you to join a local church. God's specific purposes for his people are accomplished as individuals join themselves to and participate in local churches. I mean, church membership is biblical. It might be true that we're members of the universal body of Christ, but we are to express that through tangible membership in a specific local church. Okay, let's look at some scriptures here, because some may question this, but I believe it's taught in scripture. Look at Acts 2.47. Look at the clear practice of the early church. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So converts were added to a specific group of fellow believers. Not just to a universal group of quote-unquote believers, but a specific group. Acts 5.13, none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. So believers here, they were a discernible group. Obviously, they were discernible between the world and them. So people said, hey, I'm not sure I'm going to join that group. So obviously they they were meeting together. Obviously they were gathering together. So it's the clear practice of the early church. Also, top of page three, it's necessary for pastoral care. You need care. And the way God is going to care for you if you're a member, a real, uh, vibrant member, participating, participating member of a local church. Look at Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the, Lord, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So we see here that pastors are responsible to care for an identifiable group of people 
and that they will give an account, I will give an account for those committed to their care. That's why you need to look at a church carefully before you join. But join you must. Join you must. I think that we need to be part of a local church because it's the assumed context for church discipline. So in Matthew 18, 15 to 17, and 1 Corinthians 5, they describe situations where believers are to confront other believers who are persisting in unrepentant, sinful ways. Now, the only way they can do that is if they are joined together in an identifiable group. It's the only way. They, they have to know each other, know each other's lifestyles. And God uses the church to protect us, to bring us back, to care for us. And it's the clear implication of all the biblical metaphors describing the church. Now, the primary New Testament metaphors for the church are a body, a temple, a household, a flock. And if you think about each one of these metaphors, they have something very, very unique. So if you think of the church as a temple, think of the church as a temple, and that's found in Ephesians 2, 21. Just turn there for a moment, Ephesians 2, 21. And it says the following, Ephesians 2, 21. In whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So here's a metaphor for the, the church. A temple, well, to be a stone in the temple means that you belong to a worshiping community. Right? You can't be a stone in the temple if you're not belonging to a worshiping community. Another metaphor used in scriptures to be a body. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 speaks of the church as a body. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Well, to be part of a body means to be in a living, functioning, serving, witnessing community. So my hand is part of my body because it's attached to my arm. If someone severed my hand and it laid on the ground somewhere, it wouldn't be part of the body. All right? Another picture here is we are, we're sheep. We're a flock. We just read it, Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. So, so a metaphor is that we're sheep, and, and sheep in a flock belong to a community, and they're dependent on that community and on the shepherd for food, protection, and direction. We're part of a group. There is no lone ranger Christianity. A sheep that isn't part of a flock is lost and probably will be eaten by a wolf or a bear or a lion and needs to get quickly back into the flock, as do you, dear Christian, if you are not part of a church. And finally... We're a family or a household. We read that in 1 Timothy 3.15. Look back on page 2 of the notes. 1 Timothy 3.15. If I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. So it's a family. Now, of course it's a family, right? If God is our Father, we're adopted in Jesus Christ, then guess what? You're my brother or my sister. Now, just like brothers and sisters sometimes can fight, <laughs> and just like you didn't choose your brother or sister if you have siblings, and I didn't choose mine, we were born into the family. The same sometimes at the church. 
But the fact of the matter is that we're part of a family. We belong to a community bound by a common fatherhood. So if you put all those together, you should belong to a local church and be a member. Be a member. In fact, bottom of page three, church membership. Friend, I say it's vital to your spiritual health and our spiritual health. It's not just about you. It's not like you join the church like you do a a club or a, or a, a fitness club to get strong individually. We need you as much as you need us. Look at Ephesians 4. 15 to 16 in the bottom of page 3. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You can't grow if you're not joined with other believers. We'll lack the strength. You see where it says that? Each part is working properly, makes the body build itself up in love. I mean, church membership identifies us with Christ. If we're the body of Christ, then to be a member of a church identifies you with Christ and his people. I believe church membership enables us to glorify God. Look at that 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 quote. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Look at that. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So I'd say to you, if you're saved and God has given you gifts, which he has, are you being a good steward of those gifts? I don't think you can be if you're not meaningfully a member, I say a member of a local church, and meaningfully plugged in, even though at times it can be a pain in the neck. And the people you're serving with can drive you crazy. But that's the whole deal. God uses us to mature one another so that the world can see And your gift is there to what? To serve one another as a good steward of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So friends, we have the privilege and the responsibility to be a vital member of a specific local church. I, I'm just stating clearly, we believe here at Palm Vista that Scripture teaches it's, it is a privilege and it's a responsibility. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And I love this Spurgeon quote, one of my favorite quotes. This is Charles Spurgeon, a preacher in England at the end of the 19th century. Listen to what he says. I know there are some who say, well, I have given myself to the Lord, but I do not intend to give myself to any church. Now, why not? Because I can be a Christian without it. Are you quite clear about that? You can be as good a Christian by disobedience to your Lord's commands as by being obedient. There is a brick. What is it made for? To help build a house. It is of no use for that brick to tell you that it is just as good a brick while it is kicking about on the ground as it would be in in the house. It is a good-for-nothing brick. So you, Rolling Stone Christians, I do not believe that you are answering your purpose. You are living contrary to the life which Christ would have you live, and you are much to blame for the injury you do. I invite you to consider that quote in light of the scriptures that we just taught. All right, Roman numeral 3. If we've laid a, an apologetic, a biblical theology, a doctrine of the church briefly, and of why you should join a local church, 
I mean, the last question, the reason you're in this class is, should you join this church? Well, I don't automatically assume that you should. We don't. We're grateful that you're looking into it. We pray that you do. We want you to make an informed decision, and this is why we have this class, so that you can understand what we're all about. So, what kind of church is Palm Vista Community Church? You need to ask that question. Labels sometimes can be misleading, but let's take a look at some labels, at least to begin talking about it. And by the way, this is where you can jot down questions to say, what exactly do you mean by that? Or let me tease out that word, or where are you going with this? First of all, we're evangelical. And that, uh, that, that puts us in a, in a group of churches that would believe the following. God's word, the Bible, is infallible. It's the final authority. It's inerrant. It's the final authority in all matters of life and doctrine. So this Bible is the final authority. This is the only thing that can, here's a fancy term, constrain your conscience. That is to say, tell you what to do. Not me, not some church leader, not someone else, but this word. Now, people help interpret it. You can seek guidance and counsel, but this is what constrains our conscience, and we believe it's God's infallible, inerrant word. That's an evangelical. And we believe that people need to be saved by responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's actually a, a pretty controversial thing in today's world, sadly. But there's an exclusivity into what Jesus said. You can only be saved through Jesus Christ. You need to repent of your sins and have faith in Jesus Christ. That is how one is made right with God. So that's an evangelical. Number two, we are essentially reformed in our theology. Now that's a ton of stuff there, and that's probably where we can talk much more in the future. But to be reformed means that we embrace the general tenets of reformed theology, a view of the teaching of Scripture, that places God at the center of all things and places emphasis on the activity of God and the glory of God in saving sinners. We talked a lot about that when we talked about our response to the gospel in the first lesson. In essence, God chooses us. God initiates. God is sovereign in salvation. That, that's a key to Reformed theology. A, a, a Reformed soteriology, the, the doctrine of salvation. Ology is study of soteriosis, saving or salvation, soteriology. And, and God really does initiate. God chooses us. We are unable to choose God until he chooses us. That's a, one of, a, a real tenet, an earmark of Reformed theology. And then we're continuationist. Continuist. Uh, this means that we believe in the present-day work of the Holy Spirit in many ways that the Spirit is described and manifested in Scripture. So we believe in the gifts of the Spirit for today. We are part of a family of churches under the name of Sovereign Grace Ministries, and uh, we're linked together in a common relationship, doctrine, ecclesiastical union. We work together to proclaim the gospel through planting churches. What are the defining values of Palm Vista Community Church? Well, the labels are helpful, but maybe the values are even more helpful. The gospel, we, we spent the first lesson on the gospel. Jesus Christ is the gospel. It's our central message. It's the lens through which we view life. It's, the, it's our confidence. We believe that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. Top of page six, Holy Spirit. I, I want you to know that to be part of Palm Vista is, is to value the active presence of God amongst us. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. 
It finds expression in our corporate worship, in our community groups, in our earnest desire for the spiritual gifts. You might want to just jot down there 1 Corinthians um, 14, verses 1 to 3. And just read that. Read 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 3. It might be to 4. I can't remember exactly. And ask yourself, is this my heart's disposition? Am I eagerly desiring the gifts? That's what we want to do. Depending on the Lord. Seeking His face. It means we have a passion for God. We want, to be, we, we want to cultivate this passion for God in corporate worship and pursuing the spiritual disciplines and loving God and loving His Word and having joy and gratitude. We want to cultivate that in all that we do as a church. Sanctification, we talked about that two weeks ago. We believe that sanctification is progressive. We believe that to, to, to fight sin, we must be killing the flesh and putting on the Spirit. We must be walking in this battle and it's called sanctification, where the Holy Spirit enables us to become more and more like Christ. Evangelism and mission. Oh, we want to reach our community. Oh, we're asking God for fresh strength and vision and direction and, and even ways to reach out, to equip one another, to share the gospel in our natural relationships, that, that we do friendship evangelism and that we're always thinking of inviting folks and reaching out to folks and then having set times of evangelism, whether it's, it's events that we do or perhaps a context like Christianity Explored, which we have done in the past, or a free car wash in the community where we're just doing it to, to bless folks and then share the gospel with them. Sound doctrine. The Bible is always going to be central at Palm Vista. We preach expository messages. That means we open a book and we preach through it. There may be times when we do short topical messages, but even the topics are going to be expository in nature, i.e. they're not just coming out of our ideas, but a text. We may plop down into the church for two or three weeks, or the Holy Spirit for two or three weeks, or evangelism and mission for a week or two. We're always preaching it out of a text rather than just maybe out of our own ideas or someone else's ideas from a book. Relationships. We want to be very relational. We, we, we build according to community groups. So we ask you to be part of a community group. It's important to get to know folks, to be very relational. Because that's where that biblical fellowship occurs. That's where family life, marriage, parenting, uh, purity, these things are all walked out. And that's where it can get a little messy. We don't want to just have a bunch of meetings where we get good sound doctrine. We want that. But then we want times where we gather relationally, where we're talking and sharing life, doing life together. And servanthood. We pray that you would consider how you might serve here at Palm Vista, asking the Lord to show you. Believe Jesus came to serve and not to be served. Mark 10.45. That's what we want to do. So, what's the mission of Palm Vista Community Church, top of page 7? If you were to go on our website, you would see this scripture declared and expressed with our mission statement. What's the scripture? Matthew 28, 16-20. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
what we believe is this, that Jesus Christ is the gospel. And what he's commanding us to do is to worship him, image him, and proclaim him. We are to be disciples, worshiping, imaging Christ, and then we're to call others to be disciples, teaching them all that he's commanded. And our hope is that he's with us always, even to the end of the age. How is he with us? Through the Holy Spirit that he sent upon us, God's active presence. So that's our mission. That's our mission. Our faith is the gospel does save. It is powerful. Even in a, in a city where it doesn't look like it's having a huge effect. But it, but it, but it is. It, it's not just me going out and doing it alone. It's not be, me being part of a ministry, quote unquote, that disciples people or that preaches the gospel. No, no. It's a church that God's people, remember Exodus, gathered out, delivered by God, his possession, they gather to worship him, and then he begins to change them together. They're united together, believing in the Spirit at God's active presence, and then declaring and demonstrating the gospel. Strong churches with members committed to one another, serving one another, committed to sound doctrine, committed to growing in Jesus, believing the Spirit pours out his gifts upon us, that we might serve one another. And then that church being a light to our community. That's what we see. That's what we want. I love this quote from uh, John or J.I. Packer in his book, uh, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. There on page 7. Thus, the sovereignty of God and grace gave Paul hope of success as he preached to deaf ears and held up Christ before blind eyes and sought to move stony hearts. His confidence was that where Christ sends the gospel. There Christ has his people, fast bound at present in the chains of sin, but due for release at the appointed moment through a mighty renewing of their hearts as the light of the gospel shines into their darkness and the Savior draws them to himself. That's our hope here in Miami. And as people are saved, they're added to the church. And our hope is they'd be added to Palm Vista or any good Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. So, there you have it. The church, I believe it is God's plan. I believe it should be, it is dear to Him, and I think it should be dear to us. And that's why we would unashamedly, unabashedly encourage you to join a local church. Happy that you're looking at Palm Vista. And uh, pray that God would lead you to join this, this church. And... Um, yeah, let me just pray. Let me pray for the church. Let me pray for you. Lord, I just pray for those that are here this morning. I pray for those that are listening to this via digital recording. Lord, I pray for a vision for the church. I pray for fresh faith for what you're doing. Lord, I pray for those that perhaps have had experiences in the past that have, that have caused them to question the church. And Lord, I just pray that, that this morning or whenever folks are listening to this, you, you would just give them a picture of your people, your body, your called out ones, the church. She's, she's beautiful. The church, your temple where people come to worship. The church, your body where people are connected together in meaningful relationships. The church, your people proclaiming the excellencies of your glory and your salvation. Builder, Lord. Build the church. Build Palm Vista. May the gates of hell not prevail against her. And bless each one that is listening to this message. In Jesus' name.
Amen.